0: This call is being recorded. Welcome back, everybody. We can't open up normally when it is another presentation of Crossover Wednesdays on the Locked On Podcast Network. Jeff Lloyd here of Locked On Browns. Tony Chirino of Locked On Steelers. Tony, um, A, it's always great to sit down and break bread again. Um, B, it's interesting. You know, rough start for you guys. Great rebound. So much Browns wise that we'll get into and where they are at currently. Tony, how's everything going? How's the show? Steelers, how's everything going,
1: bud? Think things are going well right now in Pittsburgh. You, you, you catch us <laughs> at a good time over here because the Steelers have won four straight. I, I've said, you know, all year uh, on Locked on Steelers that this is kind of a this is kind of a free money season for the Steelers after Ben Roethlisberger went down, right? The expectations out the door. Let's just see what this team can do with Mason Rudolph. And and the surprise of the year has been that this team has really built a defense that they can win with. And that's really been the formula these past four weeks. And so, you know, it's, good, it's going to be an interesting matchup, Jeff, on, on Thursday night as, as this Steeler defense goes up against Baker Mayfield and that offense. Because while Baker and, and, and the like have struggled, it is certainly one of the more talented offenses that this Steeler team will face.
0: Um, that's the key. It's You know, it's talent, talent, talent. But eh, at the end of the day, you kind of have the recipe to make it all work which leads to W's um, we're going to go here first. Um, like you said, Mason Rudolph um, moved on from lady on bell, moved on from Antonio Brown. The constant here for what was left foundational wise on the offense was supposed to be Ben. All right. He'll work in these wide receivers. James Conner's a nice back. Obviously, so he's missed time. Um, talk to me about Mason Rudolph here. Um, and maybe it was a little earlier than they wanted I know they liked uh, – I know Pittsburgh liked him. I know Pittsburgh liked a lot that was going on at Oklahoma State, which we'll get here to in a little bit. But Mason Rudolph, uh, Mason Rudolph being thrown into the fire here, obviously devastating injury. Let's come back here. Give me some thoughts here. Is is this the post-Ben guy?
1: But let's talk a little. Obviously, Mason Rudolph. Yeah, you know, look, is Mason the, the post-Ben guy? That's an interesting question. I, I think we're, it's probably too early to tell him. Mean, I, we're what – eight games in now or seven games in considering that he missed one there uh, into this Mason Rudolph experiment. It hasn't been great so far. The stats say something totally different than his play on the field, right? You could look at Mason Rudolph just statistically speaking and say, oh, you know, not bad so far. But you watch him play, and and boy, this offense has real trouble moving the football. Uh, You know, he just does not do a great job of going through his reads and and has been, you know, to this point in his career, really risk-averse. Right. Uh, he's just not a guy who wants to chuck it down the field, getting better as the weeks go on. I think I think the Rams game was probably his best game. But you look at what that resulted in and it was just 10 offensive points for the Steelers. So not not a good year so far for Mason. He's growing. He's getting better. But if we're talking about does he look like an heir apparent right now, uh, you'd have to say no. The nice thing for the Steelers, though, is they have Ben Roethlisberger on a two year deal after this year so they can get Ben back and sit Mason for a couple more years and and really put off that decision.
0: Well, and that's the funny thing with Ben is because, look, these quarterbacks, it just doesn't seem like they're in any hurry to leave. And we've talked about this with guys, whether it's Tom Brady or Drew Brees and, you know, Roethlisberger and Phillip Rivers and maybe Eli's a little closer, but uh, it's a good gig. Uh, Nobody's running away from this gig and this money. So uh, if they can still find a way to stick around, they're going to do that. Um, The offense here now, Um, we were a little bit excited, hoping that if James Conner wasn't a go on Sunday, you know, with a three game, I mean, with a three day layoff, maybe he wouldn't be go a go for Thursday. Um, James Conner kind of had his way last year with us, but it looks like everything's a go here with James for Thursday night.
1: It does, and 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 there was, you know, there was talk that maybe he could even play against the Rams. That you know that was put to bed pretty early uh, last week. So you know th- it looks like maybe they were saving him for this Browns game. Look, this Browns game means a lot for the Steelers because it's a division game. You know, if the Steelers, they're they're only two games out of, of first place in the AFC North, so these division games are going to matter when it comes to that tiebreaker with Baltimore. And I know it's it's crazy to think that this Steeler team has division title aspirations, given that they started the year. Oh, and three, but that's just how this season has played out. So, yeah, so James Conner will play on Thursday. And like you said, James Conner had a very good game last year, especially in week one. Unfortunate fumble in that game. But other than that, he was spectacular. You know, he had he had Steeler fans saying Le'Veon who at the end of that game. And, and they wanted to because, remember, that was during Le'Veon's, uh, the yep. beginning of Le'Veon's holdout. Uh, it's going to be a big addition. The, the Steelers, when their offense has has been at its best and it hasn't been, ever been great this year, but when it's been, you know, close to – uh, close to good, it's been through James Conner as a runner. And uh, the, his addition to the offense on Thursday night is going to be a big deal. They need to get a running game going. They need to be balanced offensively. They haven't really been able to do that in the last couple of weeks. They got a big run from from Trey Edmonds a couple of weeks back against the Colts. But otherwise, in that game, backup Jalen Samuels was really stifled. He was stifled again against the Rams. So getting that rejuvenation from from a hopefully healthy now James Conner on Thursday night going to be a key to keeping this offense moving.
0: Uh, yeah, and that's the tricky thing with Samuel. Samuels, like, when you say, like, oh, he can do a little bit of everything, when you try to put on his plate, oh, well, you're going to be just this for a week or even two or three, that's when, you know, you see some you know, of the – I don't want to disgrade him, you know, downgrade him or whatever, but the deficiencies. It's great that you can do a little bit of everything, but it's like, all right, we just need you to be running back now yeah. for a couple of weeks. And it makes it really, really difficult in that aspect. Um, I want to talk about the wide receiving core here. Um, And Juju, you know, putting in a valiant effort here, obviously not 100%, and now thrust upon being the number one of this core. Um, Washington didn't get to play a ton last year. There is that perfect added advantage of college quarterback to college wide receiver. They know each other well. They have that relationship in that aspect. Now you bring in a guy like Deontay Johnson. it's, It's a nice group. To this point um you'd love to see it if Juju was fully healthy but let's talk about this a little bit and Washington finding his groove had a rough rookie year but it's a little bit better now for him where at least he's got you know a quarterback who at least has some faith in him and this isn't you know anything to discard Ben or Washington but you know you're a crusty old veteran you got your guys and you're ready to go to war with them
1: Absolutely. And and that was really the case early on in the year, right? Because, you know, early on when Ben and Ben played, what, a game and a half this year, didn't, you know, James Washington didn't see a lot of targets. You talked to Deontay Johnson, didn't see a lot of targets. It was Dante Moncrief, who's not even on the team anymore. And Ryan Switzer, who was getting the targets back then. And now Ryan Switzer is basically just a punt returner. And that's it. So you're right. It has been kind of this youth movement at the wide receiver position. Deontay Johnson has looked good. A very, very good route runner. I showed that all the way back in training camp, and and that has manifested itself on the field. James Washington has been this kind of training camp preseason wonder, but hasn't gotten it done in the regular season. That all has changed in the last couple of weeks, as you said. Mason Rudolph, James Washington have that rapport going all the way back to college. So it's uh, been nice to see James Washington get going. Really, just nice to see whatever this whenever this offense can move through the wide receivers. You know it, that that's it's it's such a premium because this is a team that. You know, and I know they're five and four, and I know Steelers fans believe in this this team now in this playoff run. But as I look at this team, as I try to evaluate this football team, I continue to have my eye on the 2020 season, right? Because that's when you get Ben Roethlisberger back, and you take that offense mixed with this defense, and you can maybe put together what could be a a true contender in the AFC. And so I look at this offense with Ben, and I say, you know, is Deontay Johnson the right guy on the outside? Is James Washington the the guy to pair with him? And is is Juju a true number one? on this uh, on the team. And, you know, I don't think you get real answers to that this year because Mason Rudolph's the quarterback because Mason Rudolph is so risk averse and and hasn't really worked in the wide receivers as, as much as you'd want. So I think there's still questions about this wide receiver group, but there, you know, we're getting little answers here and there. And like you talked about, got some good answers from James Washington last week. He had some big plays and another unfortunate fumble, but uh, starting to put it together now. And if he can look like the guy he was in, in preseason and in training camp, uh, the Steelers found themselves another gem. Uh, and they've always done this.
0: They, they've always been great at this. And it was, you know, being, you know, either a year ahead or drafting and finding that guy, whether it was on you know day two or day three, thinking how to blend in. And even if it was a small role as a rookie, they've always been fantastic with that. We're going to go to a couple of, you know, uh, to the defensive side of the ball. And it was funny, Tony, because a bunch of guys I clamored for last draft season. Whether it was a Benny Snell, whether it was a Justin Lane, but we're going to get to this one. And uh, Matt Williamson, for anybody who doesn't know here at Locked On NFL, he he actually hosts our, he's one of the hosts of our Locked On NFL pod. I've done a bunch of shows with Matt, and obviously Matt has a bunch of Pittsburgh influences. And we had talked about, there was one guy, me covering the Browns, that I did not want the Pittsburgh Steelers to draft last year in the first round. And it's Devin Bush. Uh, I know Devin's father. We talk a ton. Uh, I wanted him in Cleveland, um, but before we, you know, we'll start with Devin Bush. We'll get to some other things here on defense, but uh, how's my guy doing thus far? He,
1: he's, he's been very good, as advertised, from the sideline to sideline running, a uh, linebacker, a guy who can, you know, who can certainly run. He's got that speed. He's got the agility on defense. He can cover the guys out of the backfield, and this was such a weakness on this defense a year ago, right? In mean, the middle of the field in Pittsburgh was where every offense was picking on and whether it was John Bostic back there at middle linebacker or it was L.J. Ford or Vince Williams didn't really matter because offenses were going there and they were going there with ease and that's really changed this year and it's you know it's not just a Devin Bush thing right I'm sure we'll talk about Minka and and, and the pass rush and all that because it this really has been a defense that is is doing it really at all three levels but Devin in the middle of the field mixed with Mark Barron and you know Mark Barron hasn't had a great year better. Uh, in the last couple weeks, but just the kind of, just the speed, just the athleticism that they bring in that middle of the field has meant teams have had a tougher time uh, you, moving the ball in the middle of the field. It hasn't been so easy to just go to tight ends and go to running backs out of the backfield and and chunk this team to death, and and I think that's what Devin has brought to this team just in year one, and I think, you know, the future for him certainly bright in Pittsburgh.
0: Um, they were in such a difficult position with Ryan Shazier, year, and to, as a franchise, I think they handled it perfectly um you're one of our guys we're gonna look out for you but you know there's just no denying it kind of hurt him a little bit yeah and now they moved on obviously and Devin Bush good player um all of a sudden here with your pass rushers um look Cam Hayward has been good since the day he walked into this league but TJ Watt and now Bud Dupree in a contract season and this is stuff like I try to talk about with my Browns listeners is it's great when you know players are excelling but you get to that point where how many guys can you keep and now you're here with bud dupree in a contract year playing the best ball of his life yep tj watt fantastic and he's not very far away from a big payday himself talk about these players and is it sustainable for this franchise to move on with both of them
1: I don't. I don't think it's it's sustainable for both. No, and and part of that comes down to the contract that they gave Ben Roethlisberger. Right, Ben Roethlisberger is going to make thirty four million dollars next year. So, uh, you know, can you can you pay your quarterback that? that. Yeah, can you can you pay your quarterback that much? And and and, you know, look, Stephon Tuiot's on a big deal. Ken Hayward's on a big deal. They just re signed Joe Hayden. So you know, can they make all these moves and re sign T J Watt? Remember Juju's contract's coming up. Uh, so you know, can they do all that and keep Bud? Connor's
0: not far down the. Yeah, Connor's another guy,
1: right? So. You know, can they do all of that and try to keep Bud Dupree? They're going to try. They're certainly going to have to try because he's been spectacular this year. And, And, you know, it's been a long time coming in Pittsburgh. We've waited for a while for Bud to finally emerge. And it took him five years, but he hasn't. And he looks like a fantastic pass rusher alongside T.J. Watt. It's really a complimentary defense, right? Because, you know, we talk about it, right? Devin Bush and Mark Barron and what they're doing to the middle of the field It's not as easy for offenses to pick on the, the, the Steeler uh, linebacking core. And, and you know, the, the cornerbacks with Steven Nelson playing as well as he is and Joe Hayden, this kind of mini rejuvenation this late in his career. And, of course, Minka Fitzpatrick on the back end. You know, that that makes it easier for the pass rush to get there when the offenses don't have easy safety valves against this defense It's complimentary in all, all, all different ways. T.J. Watt's having a fantastic year. Bud Dupree, like you, like you talked about, having a career year. He's going to get himself paid in 2020, whether it's the Steelers or, or someone else. Um, and th- this defense has finally arrived in Pittsburgh. Yeah, and
0: that's the thing, you know, with the Roethlisberger injury, and I think this is where most people, you know, just like, all right, that's it. You know, you're talking 2-14, and 3-13, whatever it yeah. may be. Um, but there were some moves, and we'll get to this one here. And look, Mink and Fitzpatrick, I'm a Jersey guy. Mink is a Jersey guy. Um, North Jersey, that's where some of the power parochials are in New Jersey. Uh, Mink had grew up 12 minutes for me. In a town called Old Bridge, New Jersey. Nice. I, I The move made no sense when it first happened, Tony. Because it was like, well, you just lost, you know, what was the drum? Obviously, Antonio was gone. Le'Veon was Bell. Le'Veon Bell was gone. So, it's Ben, and we're going to try to, you know, make the next chapter of what this is. Um, You go, you make this move, and, you know, I kind of laughed at it. And it was like, well, now you might be giving up what could be a top six, top seven pick in sure. the draft. Sure. Um it's paid dividends. Um, it's paid dividends at like, you know, like
1: times 200% to this point. It's. Yeah. It's, it's been, it's been a spectacular trade for, for Kevin Colbert, and that Steeler front office. And you know, the, 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 my gut reaction when it first happened was, Oh no, Steelers, what are you doing? And I had, you know, it was the same as, as you were thinking, Jeff, which is boy, the Steelers. I mean, if they, if this thing craters and it already was cratering at the time, right? They made that trade at a time when they were zero two and Ben Roethlisberger, yeah earlier that day had been announced that he was going to miss the season with elbow uh, surgery. So, yeah, it absolutely felt like this. It was, it was a bad trade. But the more you thought about it, and the more you thought about Minka Fitzpatrick, the player, and what he represented and what he brought to this Steeler defense, that's when it started to, to click for me, and, and and click for my co-host Chris as well, is we were saying, look, this team has lacked real playmakers in the secondary. You'd have to go all the way back to Troy Polamalu, the last time they had a real playmaker back there. Um, and that's what Minka represents. Not to say Minka is the next Troy Polamalu, although if you just watch the last two weeks, you you you, <laughs> you could you could maybe make that comparison. Uh, but just just the playmaking ability that he brings. You know, the Steelers they don't get they don't get the opportunity to get a guy like Minka in the in the draft, right? Because they're always picking in the in the the late teens and twenties and that kind of thing. And they just have not done a great job of developing talent in the secondary. So to trade away a first round pick which, yes, it could have been top five, and, it, and people say it could have been a quarterback. I would have argued that the Steelers weren't going to take a quarterback because Ben was coming back, and they weren't going to try and drive Ben out of town with a rookie, like you know, even if it was Tua or you know Burrow or whoever it would have ended up being. Um, I, I don't believe they were going to go there, so I believe they were going to go with some sort of defensive back, maybe a safety, maybe a Grant Delpit, someone like that. And I just like the idea that what they got for that first-round pick was a proven NFL asset. They got to watch him in the NFL against NFL offenses alongside NFL defense and got to see him and what he was all about and put and then put him into this Steeler defense. And of course, as we've seen, he's, he's absolutely spectacular. He has changed this Steeler defense. They are getting turnovers at an alarming rate. They're number two in the NFL right now, only behind the new England Patriots who are at a historic pace right now. So um, yeah, it, it, this is, this is a fantastic trade for the Steelers and it, you know, they get him on a rookie deal. It, it, it makes it, you know, I talk about 2020. I mean, it, it, he's really the thing that makes the 2020 season all of a sudden go from being a, the Steelers being a team in the mix to a team that maybe at the top of the heap when we talk about the AFC.
0: Yeah, um look fun player um brings a little bit of everything. Uh you know whether it's, you know, coverage, which he's excellent at and he can give you some cornerbacks, you know, looks, um reading quarterbacks eyes, the, inter- the interceptions speak for themselves. And then there's just the innate of hey, I'm always around the ball and I can make plays that way. He's just a perfect combination of defensive back. We had him really, really high in the eighteen class as far as being an asset here to Cleveland. Um, obviously, you know, you know, we're not complaining about Denzel Ward, but uh, yeah, you know, make it <laughs> Patrick. Uh, the only thing I have is, can we get this guy a better number than thirty-nine for guys? I'm,
1: I'm, I'm right there with you, Jeff. And why are we giving this guy a running back number? It's, it's unbelievable. If, if they don't change this guy's number in twenty twenty, that's where I'm going to be upset. Because uh, they, they gave the other, I don't know if you know this, but Terrell Edmonds, also 34. Uh, I mean, both, are, both are, our safeties have running back numbers. It's it's terrible.
0: Yeah, that, that needs to be cleaned up. Tony's going to talk a little bit here about the fine folks from Blue Chew. We'll flip the script here, get some Browns on Steelers talk. Uh, Locked on Browns, Tony Serino of Locked on Steelers, Jeff Lloyd of Locked on Browns. We continue yeah. rolling
1: on through here. Before we continue, I want to let everybody know about BlueChew.com. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready when the opportunity arises. BlueChew is prescribed online. it ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so there's no in-person doctor visit. There's no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships directly, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for listeners. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment for free. When you use our special promo code LOCKEDON, you're just going to pay $5 shipping. Again, blue com. Use the promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast.
0: The folks over at Blue Chew, you are always appreciated. Uh, and we'll continue to roll on here, Tony. Um, you know, I'm excited about what the Steeler team has done
1: as far as the cards they were dealt, and let's get a little browns going. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I well, I got I got let's start right off at the top and let's just talk about you know everything that's happened from the offseason to today, because <laughs> obviously this Browns team came in with expectations that were through the roof, maybe a little unrealistic when it came to some of the expectations out there in Cleveland about this team being a you know, not just a, a, a playoff team, not just a division winner, but, you know, talking about a real contender when we're talking about the AFC title. So what happened between, you know, then and now? And, and how did this team go from being, you know, having almost Super Bowl aspirations to a team that's, that's three and six and, uh, you know, just seems to be almost a team in disarray?
0: There's been highs and lows. Um, I think there's a problem from the hierarchy all the way down. Um, you look at issues where you know some of the star players didn't play in preseason, so cohesiveness didn't really form the offensive line. They kind of banked on the offensive line playing as well as it did over the second half of last season, which you were banking on Greg Robinson, you know, playing better than an average left tackle after he'd been a bust for these years. Chris Hubbard, um congratulations to you guys uh <laughs> we paid for a nice stretch of Chris Hubbard but the long stretch of chris Hubbard hmm not so much um the defense I really am not going to put it on i, I think if uh, on the face of what you thought this Brown's office offense should be I think this d has done enough I think they've done more than enough um you you talk about you know you know everybody you know cover of sports Illustrated Granted, they didn't put put themselves on it, but the Sports Illustrated preview issue of the NFL season, they were on. And it was all the offensive guys, and then you go to break it down, and those guys aren't doing what they've traditionally done. So I'm not going to put it on the defense. Um, Freddie's been, I I hate to say, the popular term is in over his head, which he is in some aspects of it. But there's some of it which is just like stubbornness and arguing with officials and worrying about reviews. And I can get that maybe if you're like a defensive-minded head coach, but if you're arguing over a spot of a ball, when you called for a quarterback draw with a six-foot quarterback to get a yard and a half, it's like, no. It's like, well, don't expect the refs to bail you out because maybe the play call wasn't so great. Um, a lot of it comes to, you know, you know, in the discon- disconnect and I want to make it sound like it's a big thing. But, you know, what John Dorsey wants to do, you release, a you know, you trade away a player like Janard Avery, who was fantastic in 2018, because you want to push a player like Chad Thomas. Who's had a moment or two and then Freddie gets caught up in this stuff and then it's like, well, we need Antonio Callaway on the field, um, but Rashard Higgins, the better player. It took your know, Antonio Callaway showing up late Sunday and getting to the point where they're like, no, you're not dressing, you're not playing today, where Rashard Higgins, who is the more dedicated player, the more intent- intelligent player, not the athlete that Callaway is, but the better player, and he catches the game-winning touchdown pass.
1: A lot of talk about the Browns has been about discipline, right? I mean, it's, you know, whether it's the penalties or, you know, the, the Baker Mayfield stuff when he's, you know, he he's fighting with the media and you got the, the the cleat situation. I mean, is that stuff just overblown by the media or, or is this something that is, you know, it starts off the field and then it it finds its way on the field.
0: I think the biggest thing of this is it's manifested by your record. Nobody cares what you say what you wear you're seven and one you're eight and two you're six and three nobody cares yeah but when there's questions of penalties and attention to detail and you know are the players too big of personalities for the head coach you, you lead to these things and it, it's even like that the excuses of it um the browns went out to denver um why? you know why were they wearing their home Um, and this Thursday night color rush jerseys, it seemed weird that they were wearing those and it was brown jerseys versus blue. It's not like Denver chose to wear white. And then, but Odell says, well, you know, uh, it was a late change and we we found out we're wearing those and you know, I, I only had these cleats. You have a contract with Nike, Odell. I love you, bro. I love Odell Beckham Jr. To death. He's got more cleats than I got like chips and kids snacks in my pantry. So it's like it really wasn't that difficult to just have a different pair of cleats and suddenly when they told you you needed to change them at halftime him and Jarvis both had cleats that were okay with it, it that stuff gets magnified due to the fact that the product isn't what it is and you know it, it's I hate talking about it and these are things we've gotten new on the show and I can't believe it but it's it's the bottom line of the fact that this team is 3 and 6 And with the talent that's here and the expectations, a lot of people, six and three, five and four, maybe four and five, nobody saw three and six and no, certainly nobody saw two and six.
1: Well, nothing no one saw coming was this, I guess you'd have to call it regression from Baker Mayfield, right? I mean, this is a guy who's, you know, he's, he's down in completion percentage down in, in, in yards per uh, yards per attempt. I mean, he, it looks like he's going to throw more interceptions this year. Than he did last year. Is this the case if the expectations were too high for Baker coming into this year, or have you seen have you have you seen on the field his play diminish?
0: I think part of it is the offensive line has not played as well. So yeah. when Baker really got humming in the second half last year, and we made these jokes like some of these, you know, doing some of these post game shows, it's like I, I I can't find a grass stain on him. And normally you don't see that with a quarterback. At least you know you see some around a shoulder, a knee, or something. But he was kept so clean. It's not been the case this year. Granted, they ran a gauntlet of defenses through this, you know, first half of the schedule. The Rams, and you know, it was the Patriots and the Titans who can get after the quarterback. He, he saw a lot of heat. The offensive line wasn't doing what they did last year, which you kind of got to put that on the GM. You can't put it on anybody else. So that kind of brought it down. Um, look, there is the trying to integrate. A guy like Odell, the and one thing we said, you know, verbatim last year was what makes Baker Mayfield really great is it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter your jersey number. If you're open, I'm throwing it to you. And it was guys like Fells, who's now in Houston. It was Duke Johnson who's now in Houston. Rashard Perriman got five million dollars from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's done nothing this year. But it, it was Baker was able to just it didn't matter. Big name, big personality. You're open. Here comes the rock. Now you've got Jarvis is a big personality. Odell is a big personality. Uh, now you're trying, you know, David Njoku was supposed to be a promising aspect for them. That's what's hurting them in the red zone is the missing of David Njoku because at 245, 250, he runs like a wide receiver, but he's built like a tight end. Now you're trying to work in Kareem Hunt. After the buy, Baker has been a lot more efficient. A lot more clean. The only interception was that stupid shovel pass in New England, which was just a terrible play call in the weather elements they were dealing with. He's more clear and concise now. You saw it against Buffalo. First reads open, bang, ball out. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, he's not totally grasping what's coming from the offensive coordinator, the head coach, and these guys are both, you know, Monken is kind of looking for his head coaching gig. Freddie's here, trying to learn on the fly. You know how's the message being put through to Baker, and Baker wasn't your traditional rookie quarterback because a lot of these guys are twenty-one. Baker was twenty-three already, and he kind of knew what he knew. And but now he's trying to do what the coaches are telling him, and the plays are kind of coming in late. It's yes, it's been regression on Baker's part. There is zero doubt about that, but he's better. He's a better player. Is he better than this? I don't want to put that on them yet. Um, But is he better? And, you know, are these stats totally indicative of the player he is or he's going to be? I don't believe it. I don't believe it for a second.
1: Now, you talked about some of the big acquisitions this team made in the offseason. Odell obviously got all the publicity. One of the more interesting ones to me, though, was uh, the addition of Kareem Hunt in the off season and how, you know, my, my question always was how is that going to work with Nick Chubb? Because I was really impressed with Nick Chubb last year as a runner. I I thought he was terrific. And so, you know, when you add Kareem Hunt to that backfield, you know, you are, in some ways you're going to be taking carries away from Nick Chubb. And uh, so now that he's back, now that Kareem Hunt is back into the mix here, how have you seen the the Browns utilize both guys and uh, how do you see that playing out, especially on Thursday against the Steelers?
0: Um, I think it's really it's actually worked out well because Nick Chubb is the only thing they have going right now on a consistent basis. Sure. And, you know, at nine hundred and nineteen yards it is going in here to his tenth game of the season. He's had he's carried a heavy workload. Um, Kareem, it was it was so fun to watch on Sunday. Um he's running around as a lead blocker. Um he enjoyed every aspect that they brought him into, whether it was, you know, as a receiver, slot receiver, receiver out wide. The thirst was there just to be a good football player again. Um, the other thing, you know, the caveat to it is, do the, the Browns need another weapon because they're having a hard enough time with the weapons they have? But he brought passion. He brought in, inspired play Sunday. And you can't, if you're not going anywhere this year, you don't necessarily want Nick to have a 300-carry workload. And this is where you can go to Kareem a little bit more. Um, Kareem's a lot more versatile than Nick Chubb is. Kareem can do more as a receiver than Nick can hope to do right now. It's just more fluid in the way he runs a route, um, You know, picking up things. He's a very intelligent player, Kareem Hunt. For now, it's easiest because you want to know what? Freddie knows the running game's working. So it gives you just a second aspect to it. And if you're going to play a second game so quickly, obviously after Sunday to Thursday, now there's ways where, you know, obviously Pittsburgh is like, all right, we got a little bit of film here, but we have no idea where they're going to go further with this with Kareem and Nick. And then there's still Odell and Jarvis on the outside. And you can't change the way you feel about those guys. Um, the question is, is, you know, here's all the ingredients. The question is, can these guys turn it into a really nice dish Sunday? Yes. Can they turn around four days later and do it again?
1: Right, let's move over to the defensive side, because uh, you know you got Sh- Sheldon Richardson and uh, Olivier Vernon added alongside Miles Garrett. I mean, a lot of people felt felt like this was going to be one of the best pass rushes in the league. Has it? You know, obviously, it hasn't turned out that way from from the uh, from the stats. But uh, just looking at the play on the field, what, what what's uh, what you were you said you can't put it all on the defense as far as the reasons why this team you know has not performed up up to task. How's the pass rush looked so far?
0: Uh when Olivia Vernon is involved the pass rush is good. Um Olivia Vernon is like the assignment football player. He does what is asked of him. And some of the Cleveland fans get a little upset like all oh, well, the production, the stats. It's like no, well it's Miles Garrett. He's you know Michael you know Miles Garrett is Michael Jordan. Olivia Vernon is tasked with the of being Scotty Pippin. You know somebody's going to do everything that's asked and everything right and well it's like well he doesn't do it. Well, oh, he's Michael Jordan. Well, he's Miles Garrett. He kind of freelances time to time, does whatever he wants, but makes a ton of plays. Um, I don't think we're going to see Olivier Thursday night, which is huge. It's it's a big tough loss. Um, Sheldon Richardson had his best game of the week last week against Buffalo. There's things you could do with Sheldon Richardson, and maybe you maybe ask him to play some, you know, DN reps. Obviously, you know from his jet days, he kind of played everywhere. Mm -hmm. So maybe sort of use that because Chad Thomas isn't so good. And you maybe have some interior guys who are a little bit better. It'll be interesting how they play it that way. Um, They showed a lot of blitz against Buffalo, but didn't bring it. But Mason Rudolph really isn't the running threat that Josh Allen is. So I don't think they'll do that. Um, But it's, you know, and Miles has had a great deal of success against Pittsburgh to this point. Three games, four sacks, a couple of forced fumbles. Uh, you know, and he's a little
1: hungry now because there hasn't been any sacks in the last two weeks. Could be a big night for Miles Garrett. And then, you know, one of, the, one of the more interesting players I thought from the Browns defense a year ago was Janard Avery and what he was able to bring to that Browns team. He gets traded away for the Eagles. Now Mac Wilson in his place. Is it, is, that, is it easy as that? Just kind of Mac Wilson took Jannard Avery's spot, and so they felt like they could trade him away for an asset? Or, or is there more to that story? Um, no, the way that,
0: you know, Steve Wilkes likes this 4 two, 5 um, and he likes this big nickel, and so really only two linebackers were going to play. Once Kirksey you know, was over with the torn pec, he was leaning towards Max w- Mac Wilson because Mac Wilson's more the you know a run and chase guy. They drafted Sione Takitaki; he's more of a hammer type, and you could see some of that this week. Joe Schobert, very similar to Mac Wilson, obviously with the agility. Neither one of them are fantastic in run, but when you say I'm going to play a four two five, you are pretty much suggesting the fact that you don't think your linebackers are too great in run defense. Yeah. The issue is now Eric Murray had knee surgery about eight, nine days ago. He's out. You had to cut Jermaine Whitehead for a Twitter tirade and the fact that he just wasn't playing well. So they're really short safety-wise. So I don't know if they can truly continue to run this 4-2-5. When Pittsburgh goes three wide outs, obviously they have enough D-backs to handle that. But I think they're going to need to address this run game that Pittsburgh can bring, especially with James Conner, with bringing in the traditional 4-3 look. Put Sione Sione Takitaki in the middle. He's the biggest. He's the thickest. He will hit whatever comes his way, whether it's a blocker, whether it's a ball carrier. Let Mac Wilson, the athletic guy, let Joe Schobert, the athletic guy, let them run and chase, which is probably better suited to what their athletic skills are and athletic traits are probably the way they're going to have to handle this all
1: right and then uh, final thing here the defensive backs the the uh Denzel Ward Greedy Williams this was supposed to be a a young up-and-coming secondary just felt like it feels like injuries have really derailed that in some ways with Ward being in and out Greedy Williams obviously in and out what have you seen from the from the Browns secondary this year
0: there it was it was really difficult because you went like a month without your starting corners Greedy started off really really good Denzel Ward they were playing. A lot of zone, which doesn't suit Denzel Ward. They finally got both these guys back for the New England game. They were kind of like, for the most part, all right, all right. depending on the quarterback, we're going to be aggressive. Tom Brady, they said, we're going to play man here because it's just easier because if we play zone, you're going to kill us. Um, Last week against Josh Allen, they put a little bit more zone, which is what you do against a young quarterback who's still truly learning how to be a passer in this league. I'm fine with this duo going further. Denzel Ward, since he's been back, has been the Denzel Ward he was as a rookie that got voted to the Pro Bowl. Greedy, it's tough when you're a rookie, when you play two, miss four, come back for a couple. Um, This will continue to play on out, but just continue to stick with the man's schemes. It works, it's good.
1: (laughs) All right, we're going to go to break here. Uh, Jeff's going to let you know about DoorDash, and then we will uh, break down our keys to the game.
0: Look, DoorDash. The best part about DoorDash is the flexibility for whatever your daily life is. Whether you're a single professional, whether you are a husband and married and your wife works and you got kids and they got schedules, that's where it comes in handy. Whether it's a franchise restaurant, whether it's your favorite local restaurant, most likely they're affiliated with DoorDash. You go ahead to Google, you go ahead to Apple, download the DoorDash app, get $5 off, your first order of $15 or more, have dinner brought in. Look, when people are putting in 8, 9, 10 hours a day, you get home, and the last thing you want to do is figure out how you're going to entertain your stove to prepare a meal for 3, 4, 5, 6 people. Let DoorDash make your life that much easier. Like I said, go to the, uh, go to Google. Go to the iTunes store. Download the DoorDash app. $5 off your first order of $15 or more. We use promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. We appreciate DoorDash for their sponsorship. Of the Locked On Podcast Network. All
1: right, Jeff. So let's finish it up here today, and we will do our keys to the game. Uh, when you look at the Browns coming into this game, it's it's a home game for them. Obviously, this is a huge game. They get the Steelers in prime time on Thursday night. Give Give me your keys to the Browns to win this game.
0: I think at this point, right now, it's uh, bringing Kareem Hunt more into the fold, and whether it's some of it, it's a ghost or not or actually giving him the ball, it, it's a way to you know, open up the skill for these other guys here. There's a lot of talent here. One more guy, just take
1: advantage of it. Tony, what's the key? The, the key for the Steelers is going to be turnovers. I mean, get, get Baker Mayfield to turn the ball over. Uh, it's been the key for the Steelers this whole winning streak. They've won the turnover battle in every single game this year other than the, the New England game to open the year. If they can win the turnover battle again on Thursday, if they can get Baker Mayfield, and that Browns offense turn the ball over, give Mason Rudolph some short fields, uh, they can come away with a win in this one. Uh, Jeff, how do you see this one playing out? Give me, give me a score prediction. I'll say Browns win, but it, it'll be very, 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 very close. You know what? I, I have predicted this as a Browns win all year on our podcast, and I'm not going to change it. You know, Look, I, I think the Steelers <laughs> can get that turnover. I, I think they can win it, but uh, I'm, I'm going to say that the Steelers win as well, or the, the Browns win. All right. Appreciate everybody for a locked on Wednesdays.